Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. How are you doing? How are you taking care of your heart in the midst of this uncertainty? And are you being kind and gentle with yourself? One of the things that I've been thinking about, that there is no one way to go through this change that we're going through as humanity. There is no template for this. There are no right answers. And it's important to not get lost in watching what everyone else is doing and really create the time and space to be in your own zone of quiet in contemplation and meditation and journaling in any practice that takes you back to that silent knowing within you. And this conversation took me right in the midst of the place that I am describing. Today's guest is a return guest. It's Sean Eskinosi, founder of Eskinosi Chocolate. Episode 77, Encounters with the Divine Through Business, could be my most favorite episode I've ever recorded that has had the most long-lasting impact on my own personal path. And it's interesting that Sean makes chocolate, which I am obsessed with, and what brought me to him was cacao, the spirit of cacao. While I was at a fair in upstate New York, I came across the founder of the Outside Institute, Laura Chavez Silverman, who many of the people in my circle have told me I must meet because she has this guide to foraging and identifying plants. And I had just moved to our tiny cabin full time in the Catskills. And we came to the fair and there she was in flesh. And guess what she was serving? She was serving a cacao tea made with cacao husks from the beans from the production of chocolate that usually would be discarded and local New York herbs. And I asked her where she gets her husks, and she said, Eskinosi, and I already had the chocolate brand on my radar, and I was already a fan of the transparency of the company on top of the product itself. The chocolate is incredible. I can't stop repeating it. And a few months later, I found myself in Missouri, driving two hours outside of Kansas City where I was for a wedding, to visit Sean Eskinosi's chocolate factory. And I'm really glad that I did. I have yet to release some video footage from that visit, but you will hear in this conversation that the connection that Sean and I established in that in-person meeting, it up-leveled that first conversation we had in episode 77, and it's just been developing ever since. And a couple of Days ago, I saw Sean post a video on his own Facebook, which I prompted him to put on Facebook because the world must see his message. 
where he was sharing what was coming up for him in the midst of this uneasy situation for a lot of the businesses and business owners. And what he shared was so simple and yet so profound and so relatable. I'm actually going to include the bit that spoke to me the most at the end of this recording, so stay tuned for that at the very end. And I'm going to link to the full recording in the show notes on WokeOnWired.com. But I decided to bring Sean back on WokeOnWired and share his wisdom and presence with all of you and discuss how to tap into that place of the divine, a place of mystery that wants to be expressed through you no matter what is going on on the outside and no matter how hard it gets and how to find your rhythm in the middle of this darkness and how to accept and let go of the discomfort and access your true self by taking small steps in the direction of kindness without having to know all the details. Allow yourself to sink into this conversation and take what speaks to your heart and really apply that to your life. Really take action on it because the divine knows what it's doing. We're all in the midst of this divine intervention that is bigger than us. And yet it's calling us as humans to do our part and to take action because the collective shift in consciousness that is happening is happening, first of all, on an individual level. And what we're being called to do is ask ourselves, how can I transform my own path and do my part? And that's the only thing we have control of. And that's the only thing we must repeatedly step into every single morning as we wake up and live our lives. I would love to see what parts of this conversation resonate with you. Share it on Instagram and tag at WokenWired and at Askinosi Chocolate, and share your favorite takeaways and things that you are excited to implement. And if you're looking for more support in stepping on your path in the midst of it all, the Woken Wired portal is having our first call on April 6, 2020. So there's still time to join and hop into the membership community where you get resources and community and support in a group setting so that you feel clear and aligned with how you express yourself through business as the consciousness, the planetary consciousness is being awakened and old ways of doing marketing business and being disrupted and we're creating those new ways together. I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well and As always, you can find all the links and show notes on WokenWire.com. Take care of your heart and enjoy this conversation with Sean Askinosi, a criminal defense lawyer turned chocolate maker. Named one of the 15 guys who are saving the world by Oprah and someone who's been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and many, many, many other outlets for the transparency and positive disruption that he is bringing into the world of chocolate and business. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I saw your Facebook video that is now a YouTube video where you talk about the impacts of COVID-19 on your business and some of the mindsets you've been adapting to 
get through this. And I just found it to be so full of heart and value that so many entrepreneurs need now. And I'm excited to dive into that and whatever else comes up in the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. First of all, I'm going to go back to my notes from end of February when we spoke before all of this hit America. And some of the things I took away from our conversation was I welcome everything. I accept the mystery. I trust the unfolding. And I find it so interesting because at that time I was already feeling very internal. I wasn't really leaving the house. I was in the process of disassembling some of the old structures in my business and life to what now seems to create space for new ways of being and a new consciousness and a new paradigm. And this was like a prerequisite before the actual test came. (laughs) Did you have anything like that, like a sense of what was coming? I can't look back and say that I had a sense of it. However, I had a, a sort of prelude of darkness before the darkness in my own life personally that I would say preceded this by about 60 days, 60 to 80 days. And not any really one thing that I can point to, and I think this is common for many of us, we have these rhythms of darkness and light, and sometimes it doesn't even do a whole lot of good to deeply explore the reasons, so I can't point to any one thing. But I did have kind of a a darkness before the darkness, which I think actually was a good teacher, a good teacher, yeah. So where am I finding you today, physically and in your heart? Physically, I'm in my office, and I'm the only one here. Everybody else is working from home. We've laid off about half of the 20-person staff at our factory, not, I should say, furloughed. I've learned as a lawyer, I didn't even know what that word meant until 10 days ago. But so we're in production with three people and one person shipping chocolate. And in my heart, it's my heart is beating a little faster today. And I can sense that it's sort of sped up. And I don't think it's just because it's a Monday. But I'm very concerned about the people that are that were working for me two weeks ago that are now, you know, filing for unemployment and hoping they can have financial resources to make it even for a few weeks. And so that really is weighing on me. So I have a burden, a feeling of a burden today, which I think is speeding up my heart. And so I'm just remembering the advice that I have for people, which is to breathe and to not, to be aware of when we're breathing in our upper chest and not taking full deep breaths. And so that's where my heart is. I think on a deeper level that I can kind of feel myself swirling in what John O'Donohue calls a threshold. And thresholds can be a very uncomfortable place for us. They, in fact, almost by definition are uncomfortable until we are able to accept the sort of discomfort and let it go and become part of it and not be afraid of it. And so that's kind of where I am. I'm feeling a sort of just a, just as if I, my hands are just up and I'm just kind of swirling in this vortex, <laughs> trying to not, trying to not fix it, trying to not fix that, trying to just 
trying to literally let my hands be like this of letting go and also worship. So that's where I am physically. That was a really long answer. Sorry. <laughs> like a seaweed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So your video, I want to get back to that video that you posted about kind of, I think you recorded it before you had to let people go from the company. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I wrote in my journal from watching that was in this crisis, what is a lot of crisis for a lot of the businesses, I don't have employees, so I can only imagine what it's like to have that responsibility and all the layers of being with what's coming up. But some of the things you shared is, first of all, rely on who you are as a person. Being mm -hmm. a business person, being an entrepreneur, first of all, you're a human. So rely who you are as a human being. Another one is, it's time to live your mission. All the things you've been posting on Instagram as quotes and beautiful statements, and maybe you have them on your desktop, now is the time to actually live it. And another one is find someone who needs you so that that's where you find the divine by being there for someone else. And all of that kind of put together for me, like the bigger overarching theme and invitation is prayer, is to stay in this devotion to something that's bigger to us. So what comes up as I reflect that back to you and has that shifted in any way? Nothing that you said has shifted in any way. If anything, it's, it's my rock. It's the foundation of rock and not of sand. And um, it's, it's my safe harbor. And so... I believe those things to be true. And I think as we see the unfolding of this energy, that the things that you mentioned have the opportunity to deepen, or for me, they have the opportunity to slip away and for me to become so lost that I'm not even able to understand, as Merton would say, my true self. And so, yes, these are practices and things that I believed, you know, years ago. And there are things now that are sort of, they're coming to roost, you know, it's, I'm reaping those things that maybe many of us, we have practices and we do our things. Well, now it's not practice. It's, we're really called upon by the universe, by the divine to do what I said before, to surrender. That doesn't mean that we don't make decisions. What it means is in those places of surrender, of practice, of prayer, that we gain clarity, even in darkness, even in darkness. And maybe that's the teacher. Darkness is the teacher. So when it comes to getting up in the morning and making decisions and going about your day in this, what we're starting to call the new normal for now, where do you go for answers? both on a physical level, is there someone you turn to for support and guidance and on a metaphysical level as well? How do you crack that place? The first thing is I'm not looking for answers right now. And one of my friends, longtime entrepreneur and mentor and author um, has said, and he's had a lot of bad things happen in his business in the last couple of weeks and famous business. And 
he said, well, I'm waiting, you know, I'm hoping that this thing will have a vaccine or a cure. I don't think that's going to serve us well, because I don't think we can hold our breath that long, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And so I don't think that I wake up in the morning in my time of meditation and prayer that I'm searching for any kind of answer. Now, from a practical standpoint, yes, I do have people that I call on, you might imagine, since you've read my book, that I call upon my spiritual director at Assumption Abbey, a Trappist priest who's been a monk chanting the Psalms every day since 1952. So I did talk with him on Friday, and I speak with him frequently. And I told one of the other monks at the Abbey last week, I said, I don't have any prayer candle left. The wax is all the way at the bottom of my prayer candle, you know, which is like this tall. And I said, hey, could you guys send me a new one from the chapel? And they did. And I got it on Saturday. (laughs) So I did, you know, I did talk with Father Cyprian. And I did confess to him my own fears. And yes, I've been in this practice one way or another for 20 years. I've been deeply in it for 10. Of course, I have fears. And I wanted to be able to I say the word confess, and I think that's important to him, and just let him listen, whatever he might say or suggest. And I've been that way with him for over 20 years. And I think it's important that you and I and others have not just one person, but more than one person, that we can confess our what's in our heart, what might be our fear, and that that person be someone not necessarily providing solutions and answers, uh, compassion and kindness. And so that's where I am now. And, but I continue with those practices and I believe, I believe those things are true. And so if you are someone who has identified your essence, you've been in touch with your soul or true self, or as Michael Singer says, the seed of self, then you know what we're talking about. And it's time to deepen that connection, continue that connection, and not become depressed or distressed if it seems distant and unreachable. Uh, We know, I mean, Mother Teresa is a great example. I mean, she spent decades in what she described as a disconnect, disconnection in her daily prayer life. I'm not saying that that's okay, but I'm saying it's possible to have faith, and to rely on, as I said in the video, and as you just mentioned, to rely on our training, to know these things to be true. So that's kind of where I am on that. So when you talk about relying on your training and relying on yourself as a human, can you speak more to what that means to you? Yes. So as an entrepreneur, there were things that drew me to wanting to do this business or this life And those, we could say, guiding principles. And, you know, if we end up writing it on a mission statement or in a vocation statement or a vision statement, which I write a lot about, and it ends up on your desk or hanging on the wall, at some point, we might in our lifetimes be called upon to not just live that as a marketing tagline, (laughs) to live it as life. And so for me, what that means is, that, you know, we've spent years engaging with farmers, for example, in distant places and 
we've worked with them in community development as partners for schools and do we just open a preschool in Tanzania and we have a nutrition program in the Philippines and where kids are severely malnourished. And so what this means is, do, what do I do about those things? What do I do about those relationships? Is it just business? Do I have a, a deeper obligation as a human to those commitments that I've made? And the answer is, yes, I have. I have a deeper commitment that I have to honor and fulfill the best way that I can. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But so the way that look, what that looks like is I've been in touch with all of our farmers um, more than once in the last couple of weeks. And some of them, for example, in Ecuador are really having a tough time. In the Philippines, they're not in school. So we had to come up with a way to let the severely malnourished children access some kind of food. How are we going to do that? So we talked to the teachers and figured something out. Well, I, but I have employees that I had to furlough. Well, what about them? You know, so it all, it's all important. And so if you as an entrepreneur or a business person or whatever have been in touch with your true self that helped you establish these guiding principles of your business and of your life, then it's not hard to re-access those places of connection to the divine that will allow you to make decisions today in the midst of just darkness and pain and panic and fear. This is, this is mindfulness in action. That's what it is. It's contemplative action. That's what we do. A quote that you shared in your book is, you said, I take great comfort from something the novelist Antoine Saint de Saint-Exupéry said, what saves a man is to take a step then take another step. That's good. Yeah, I forgot that. Yes, it's so true. And here's what happens. When you take a step, when you take a step out of goodness and humanity and compassion and kindness, then the universe conspires behind you. And in fact, you almost sometimes don't even know it. You're like, wow, that worked. How, what? How did that happen? And you, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, everybody's back there. I didn't see them. In the Christian world, we call that the communion of saints, the cloud of witnesses. So that is the oneness. It's the oneness of the cosmos, of the universe. And at the same time, in a very non-dual sense, it's my mom and dad who have both died, my grandparents, my ancestors. They're right here. They're all around. They're conspiring in this very non-dual sense of oneness and yet still my individual ancestors of, you know, and my birthday was last week. And in my meditation in the morning of my birthday, my mother came to me and she's come to me pretty routinely in the last couple of years of my meditation. And she held my hand. And then my dad came and my grandparents, I didn't really see them as much as I sensed the presence of my mom holding my hand. I was like, Oh my gosh, what a birthday gift. I mean, that's amazing. And so that's what I mean. The, the, we, if we look back, you know, we can see when we take that one step, just one step of humanity, and you take a moment to look around, it's like, wow, they're right there. The whole thing conspiring to assist you to just take one more step. You know, there's that quote, and a lot of people feel this way now, man. And it's, it's I can't remember who to attribute to. I can't go on. 
I will go on. I can't go on. I will go on. That's what's happening. That's, and that is, that's where we find ourselves. I can't do it. I'll do it. Mm. That's where we are. So practically taking those leaps, it sounds inspiring. I can see the truth behind it. I believe it. I know that that's how it is, that when we follow our humanity, our love, the expansiveness of our hearts, we're always taken care of by the force that's bigger than us. On a practical level, I can only imagine what it's been like to take some of the decisions you've had to take in the past couple of weeks. So in those moments, how do you find the courage to take that leap? And what have you learned so far? Well, I would say one thing is that at first, as you noted in the quote, it's not a leap, it's a step. And, and, I'm, and let's call it, I mean, it can be teeny tiny step. And what that gives us, and the reason why that's important is when we take those tiny steps, maybe it's a crawl before it's a step, and we receive affirmation. It will happen. This, let me just say this. If you take that small movement in the direction of kindness and humanity and compassion, your prayer will be answered. I 100% guarantee you that taking that step will answer your prayer and you will receive affirmation from God that this step of humanity and compassion was the right thing to do. How will that manifest itself? I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, is that when we receive affirmation after affirmation after affirmation, then it builds a reliability for us. And then we can take leaps and we can take bigger, very difficult steps that are, you know, things like, what do you do about employees? And how do you, those decisions are always going to be painful. But if you make them in the right spirit, you have a history of making decisions in that spirit, then this decision will be right in line with those other decisions. It will be. The idea is to not start this kind of process now. I will say, I, and I talked about this on the video, if, if you're just joining us um, and you're, you're new to this conversation, then I'm not going to say that this is the easiest time in the world for you to begin this process. However, welcome. And it isn't easy, but it's calling you. And if you have no experience in the things that you and I are talking about, now is a time to be attracted to this process and you will earn your PhD a lot sooner uh, in, this, in this world now because we're in this challenging threshold of energy that is dark and cloudy and mysterious, unknowable. And so you, it will be challenging to begin this practice now but you will also have a very steep learning curve and an opportunity to work, to work on this and to demonstrate these things. If you were to put into words the world we're talking about, some of the words that come to my mind is I use the words conscious entrepreneurship. You use the word vocation. What comes to mind now if you were to describe this, these concepts and the world we're talking about? Are there even words to describe it? The thing, the thing that we're talking about as human beings 
as students, teachers, leaders, business people, we're talking about emptying ourselves. And when we do that, not just once, you know, when we have this practice of emptying ourselves, we have a greater likelihood of getting out of the way and letting the divine express true holiness through our fleshly bodies. And so to me, that's the ultimate, Michael Singer talks about this all the time. I mean, this is his, I mean, this is our ultimate expression. And you know, from talking with me and reading the book, my favorite book, my go-to book, and Father Cyprian reminded me of this on Friday, Sean, go back and reread this book that you've read 50 times. It's called The Joy of Full Surrender by Jean-Pierre de Cassade, a French monk in the 18th century. And this, this notion of full surrender is what I mean. And that's, that's what I'm putting into words. Full surrender means emptying. We're, we're, it's where we began. It's this. It's, it's, it's letting go repeatedly, 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 which will allow the divine to express herself through my body to you and to others. And then I don't have to worry that the decisions that I'm making are out of alignment. And again, it's, but this is, I don't mean to mislead someone into thinking that this is a pretty process, you know, because there are, there comes with this process a fair amount of suffering and heartache and sorrow and fear. And, but this is our path. I think this is our path. I love that you put the carpet down to welcome those who are just stepping on the path, even though probably they've been on this path many lifetimes over and over and just remembering it again. But the thing that I am really tapping into and sensing is there's a lot of people who are being called to disentangle and rethink how we've been living our lives, how we've been leading businesses, what our businesses are. And a lot of people will be needing guides like your book to find what is this new way of doing business, new old way of doing business in a way from that represents this place of surrender and being a vessel for the divine. So, and it might seem very difficult, even more so difficult for people to pivot than to start from scratch when someone is just stepping into this path. So as someone who has made that pivot, what are some things that you can share with those who are listening and thinking, wait, there's no way I can change my life at this point so drastically? You know, this is not for me. Yet inside there's an inkling. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you said it. The inkling is the awakening. And it's so the, the challenge for those that you described is the challenge is to listen to that inkling. And I think now it's sometimes difficult to discern the difference between the inkling and holy shit, what is happening? <laughs> Where am I? Is this happening? What is going on? Are people dying? Am I losing my business? Is everything that I've worked for in my retirement and my stock portfolio and everything just gone? Is it all just happening? What, what? This can't be. Well, it's hard to listen to the inkling when, that, when you are that distressed and panicked. And so what I encourage people to do who 
may even have this sense of, oh boy, this, I hear something. How do I, how do I tune in to remove some of this distraction and improve the signal to noise ratio? And what I encourage people to do is, again, find a person. In fact, I, don't, I say don't even go to a book, not even my book. Look, for somebody who's really panicked right now, reading my book, it might be a distraction, but it's not going to help them if they're freaking the hell out. And there are a lot of people who are really, really stressed right now. I don't even think that the media of the world has really captured that. I say to that person, if I was speaking to them directly, I would say, Sue, okay, here's what I need for you to do. I want you to think of someone in your family or a friend that you can call that you really respect as a wise person. And you're thinking, I know what you're thinking, that person is really busy. They don't have time to talk to me. They have their own things. And what I'm telling you is that's not true. That person that you respect, that person that loves you, that person wants to help you. And so what I want you to do is call them and I want you to be honest with them and tell them how you're feeling. And do that with more than one person. And make sure that one of those people can teach you how to breathe and just learn how to breathe and practice breathing and take it from there. And that's where I encourage people right now to start. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that distractions will be the balm that you need long-term. I saw a thing on Facebook over the last couple of days, people are doing these, I don't know what it is, like a photo challenge where you put up pictures of places that you've been traveling or whatever. I saw that and I thought, well, we need, that's fine as a distraction, but we need to go deeper than that and not just think about where we're going to go when this is all over, what we're going to do, what we're going to buy. And so I say, I would rather see people taking time to learn how to meditate, learn how to breathe, to learn how to call their friends and express their true feelings as even embarrassed as they might be that they're not handling this well. And to take the practice from there. I also think that collectively on our planet, we have a responsibility to repent. And I don't care what religion you are. I don't care if you have no religion. I think that collectively in all faith traditions, including none, that we have a responsibility to repent. And I think that there's an energy force that is ultimately someday we'll be able to detect that is sub-perceptible at most of the time. Now it's quite perceptible. <laughs> and that energy force is perpetuating this virus and it's perpetuating the wake of the virus and the leading edge of the virus. So there's a leading edge and a lagging edge and it goes around and around and around. And in the trail, in the wake of this virus, and in the leading edge, it's, there's, there's, this, there's an energy that, it has, that, that is damaging way, way, way beyond what we see you know, with our eyes. 
what we need to do is repent. We need to repent of the way we've treated the planet. We need to repent the way we've treated each other. And those two things will pretty well cover it. And repent is, of course, in my tradition, in the Christian tradition, it's the Greek word metanoia is repent, but often it's translated as a conversion or turning away from. And so that's what we need to do. We need to convert and turn away from the way we've treated the planet, the way we've treated each other, and let this, and let this energy, both in the leading and lagging edge of this virus, be instruments of teaching and instruments of, again, in my tradition, what we call the, the Paschal Mystery, which is the Paschal Mystery is not, it's not just in the Christian tradition, but it, and I'm not Catholic, but it comes from the Catholic doctrine of the Paschal Mystery is of, from darkness to light, from death to resurrection, and it's throughout the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. And we are right in the middle of a threshold, otherwise known as the Paschal Mystery. And the Paschal Mystery doesn't know, you know, it's not bound by time and space. So we don't really know or we can't perceive that. What we can perceive is the feeling and sensation of darkness and lostness. But the Paschal Mystery tells us that there is a mountaintop out of this valley. There, there is. And we know because we've been on the mountaintop before and we're in the valley now. And as a people and as humanity, we're going to have the opportunity to arrive at the mountaintop again. But I believe that we're going to, to need to repent in order to gain a new way, a new way of living, a new way of community. So that's an area that when I think about, I feel, I don't use this word often, but I guess helpless is what comes to mind. Because what I'm seeing is there's a lot of conversation of planet awakening, emissions are down, animals are coming back to where they haven't been seen before. And there's this beautiful sort of reawakening of the planet because our impact on it temporarily is suspended in many ways. And same with people's hearts and minds. Suddenly people have time to go inwards and do the practices and the things that they've been wanting to turn to. And at the same time, there's this fear for me that comes up is, well, people who are doing the practices is people who have already been living their lives this way. And once everything in the external world goes back to the norm, there's no guarantee that people will repent and anything will change in how we treat our environment and how we treat each other. And I'm curious how you see that. The first thing I think is that I don't think we're going to go back to the norm. I don't. I think everything is changing. We know that. We know that nothing is permanent. People talked about this at 9-11, and people said, wow, there's such an amazing amount of community and neighborliness and love for each other. And it only lasted a few weeks. And, you know, people were complaining in 2002, what happened to it? This is different. And people have also tried to, you know, connect this to the recession of 2008, 9, and 10. And 
especially in a business sense. You know, I hear a lot of my colleagues talking about that, including me, you know, saying, here's how we're going to navigate through this. This isn't, the reason people like, you know, the, the reason we say those things is because we don't have any reference for this. <laughs> There's no reference for this. Nothing. There's not a reference sort of collectively as a planet. There's not a reference in your life, in my life. If I, you know, told someone, you know, your, your relationship is over or your marriage is over or you're terminal or you have a reference point. You're like, oh, well, oh, I, I can go to that. That's what that's supposed to look like. We don't have that. We, we do not have that. So I think the impact of this is going to be I don't know what it will look like, but I don't think it will be returned to business as usual. I think, I almost think that's going to come out two ways. Number one, I think it's going to be impossible on a practical level, on a logistical level, on a, all kinds of levels for that to happen. I don't care how many trillion dollars you spend on this. I don't think that will be possible. Even if we have a vaccine and even, I, I think that normalcy will be, there will be a new normalcy. And to your question, but will we, will we really sustain the care for the planet and each other that we might have had temporarily during this pandemic? Well, maybe not. But my hope is that there will be an evolution of the collective consciousness of our planet, even if it's a modicum, right? That's what my hope is. And I can only worry about me. I, you know, the Gandhian, but the idea is my hope in this is can I transform? Can me, can I, what can I do to transform my own fears, my own personal path? How do I make that contribution? As you said, you know, that's sustainable. So in two years or in three years, what am I doing that's different than I was doing, you know, two years before? That's the question. And um, so in that sense, I think it will, I think it will sustain. Here's the other thing. Half of the world is living like this anyway. We just don't see them. I mean, go to the urban slums in Davao, Philippines, and look at people who are living in a, a cardboard box, you know, on top of each other, you know, and they're living on the edge of life. They somehow find joy in things. Same in, I've seen it in Tanzania repeatedly in the rural communities and villages. People live in a straw hut, mud floor, no electricity, no medical care, worrying, is my kid going to die of malaria? Am I going to die of malaria? I don't have a mosquito net. I don't have any anti-malarial treatments. I mean, we're sitting here worried about whether or not there's going to be enough, you know, anti-malarial drugs to treat this thing, you know, now. Well, these people that I'm talking about in Tanzania have lived it for decades where there's treatment for malaria, there's mosquito nets, they just don't have them. So they've lived life on the edge. They've lived life with just radical uncertainty, but yet they are able to, in a very non-dual sense that I have personally witnessed, have joy in, right in the middle of suffering. And I can't explain it, but it's there. They're teachers. And so when it comes to the question of can we sustain this, I mean, I'm an optimist and say yes, but I'm going to really say the burden is on me. It's on me to practice what I preach. 
and to do the things that we've been talking about, to surrender and to empty myself as best I can and not be too hard on myself when I fall down. Right. Included in the surrender is the surrender of trying to control others because the only thing we're in control of is how we transform through this, like you said. And my hope is always that through me doing my work and you just got me present to this and me living my values, maybe someone will experience that and be transformed in their own way, on their own path. Mm -hmm. Another thing I've been thinking about, and I can share this with you, we've talked about this before. My grandmother was born in Hungary and raised in Hungary, and she escaped to America before World War II, but all of her relatives except her uncle died in the Holocaust. And I would say for maybe 10 years or so, I've tried to find out which camps they were in. I've found out what village my grandmother grew up in, but I've learned a lot. But I've really thought about them. And I've thought about them, not just recently, but more recently, more in the last couple of weeks. And I've thought their lives were one way and then dramatically and forever changed in a way that had to have been just, just frightening and just almost impossible to imagine the kind of devastation and sorrow and heartbreak and pain and suffering that they endured. I've, I've often wondered, you know, well, you know, will I ever be called upon to, will I ever be called upon to extend the work of my ancestors? In other words, what is Will there ever be, will I have a calling to demonstrate some kind of humanity in the face of just complete and total darkness? And that has really not been lost on me in the last couple of weeks. And I'm not suggesting that we're at any place near what Holocaust victims or survivors experienced. But I will say, as a person who has relatives and ancestors who experienced it, and persecution, famine, you know, that I, I think we, I think we are together, you know, and perhaps I think they're among my communion of saints who are here, you know, they're behind me, encouraging me, lifting me up. That's, I've been thinking about that lately. Just having this conversation, it puts me in this meditative state where I just want to go and be quiet and be silent and present to what is because I think for a lot of us the reaction is to go and look for answers and go and look what others are saying go and look how others are handling this but a lot of the times all we just have to do is get still and like you said get back to our breath Mm -hmm. yeah psalm 46 be still and know that i am god be still and know that i am god that's it so i have a practical question for you before we wrap up I see a lot of press outlets and people on social media saying that it's very important at this time to go and support small businesses by purchasing from them. So I went ahead and bought eight bars of my favorite chocolate in the world, which my fancy is also obsessed with now. And I want to hear from you from the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Is it true that people are actually making a huge difference by voting with their dollar now? Yes. And thank you for bringing this up. Um, I mentioned this in the video, and it's been happening every day since. 
people are ordering in record numbers on our website and it's hard it's hard to um receive that but it's my family and our business you know we're we're grateful and it's it it will um it is helping us and we've lost a lot of business as you can imagine coffee shops all over the country have closed and they were one of our biggest customers and ice cream shops big customer restaurants and many stores have closed but our online business is dramatically up and so it's really 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 helping us and at first we thought oh this is just a kind of a one time thing but it's not you know it keeps coming and we'll be talking about it in our morning huddle in the morning about this a very gratifying experience of seeing these orders online. So thank you for that. So is there anything else that we as humans in the customer role of things should know how else we can support businesses that we want to continue existing and thriving past this moment in time? I think that it's quite helpful if people keep us in their if they can and and if they choose to think about us and our business maybe in a morning meditation or something just as one of many to consider and think about in prayer or meditation in or in any way of that expression of thought and care because those prayers and those expressions are felt and they work and those collective expressions for businesses and people and communities and hospitals and i talked about this a little bit in the video the collective expression will disrupt this energy pattern in my opinion and i think this is happening and i believe that the planet will respond collectively in prayer and meditation and petition and whether it's for a business or for a loved one. And I think that collectively we can disrupt this energy pattern. I think we can do it. And I believe that we can pray for divine intervention. The Pope has talked about this and other spiritual leaders and other traditions have talked about this. And I believe that this pattern of energy can be disrupted in union with with our action combined with that of the divine. So what I mean is is that we won't be able to tell is this the divine or is this humanity. I think we'll do it in union with each other. That's the key. And I think there are examples in my tradition, you know, there are examples especially in the Hebrew scriptures where this has actually happened. Calamity has been avoided, subsided. And yes, a good thought of a chocolate company or your favorite coffee company or business, yes, I think that really does help. And we're deeply grateful for that. Amen. Yeah. Sean, is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? We covered it all, I think. I just would conclude by saying if you're struggling don't forget to call someone and once you do and you feel better and you're on a path keep keep going 
keep going and keep practicing. And before you even feel like doing it, find somebody who needs you and, and help them in the smallest way. Just help them and you will find that you won't be so heavy. The weight that you feel now will be lessened by that service to someone who needs you. Amen. Sean, thank you so much for this conversation, for sharing so openly and for doing what you do. And I'm so grateful that you have been that person for me, that wise person that I think is busy, that has found time for me and really provided such guidance and support to drop back into my own heart. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for what you do. And and thank you to all of your listeners who will hopefully find something in our conversation. And our watchers too. Yes. Wow, what a conversation. I see you, Seeker, and I appreciate you. And I'm sending you lots of support on your journey, wherever you are. Stay kind and gentle with yourself. And as you noticed, there was a lot of referencing of the video that Sean shared. I'm going to share an audio outtake from Sean's video of three minutes of some of the things that spoke to me the most and really impacted me. And if you want to go see the full video, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Sean Askinosi here. And I have a personal Facebook page and a, and a business Facebook page. And sometimes I have to ask myself, and I'm sure many of you can understand what I'm saying, which is, what's the difference between our personal life and our business life sometimes as entrepreneurs? It's all meshed together. And that's absolutely the way I feel now with coronavirus and everything that's happening. The bumper sticker that I keep on my desk is this. And it uh, reminds me of my favorite scripture of all time, which is perfect love drives out fear. And if we can just keep it front of mind in the midst of the chaos and panic, what does cash flow and spiritual practice have in common? Well, a lot for me right now as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. What that means is if you have a daily practice of any kind, I don't care what it is, I encourage you to not let that go during this time. Now is when we need our daily practices and our discipline the most, despite the fact that we don't feel like it. And I know a couple of times this week, I, I thought to myself, no, I need to get to the office. I don't have time for my prayers, but I fight against that because this is when we can deepen our practice. For me, it, it happens to be just a time of meditation and prayer and scripture reading and lighting a candle and, and then just contemplating and meditating on these pressures having to do with cash flow and having to do with the future of the business. And can I have wisdom and can I have peace about what is going to happen? There are a group of people who've spent time, you know, reading self-help books. We've worked, you know, for the past however many years on ourselves. We've worked on our spiritual path, enlightenment, awakening, all of those things. And so what I would say is to you who've been on that path with me, you know what to do. You rely on your training. You rely on, on the things that you've read, the things that you've practiced, the life that you've led up to this point. Your, your whole life 
has brought you to this point. Your practice, your discipline, the way that you love people, all of that is coming right now. And so even though you might feel like, no, I need to read one more thing. I need to read the what the New York Times said in the last three minutes. I need to refresh what the Wall Street Journal said. I'm suggesting that we take a pause from that and that we rely on our muscle memory. Now's our chance. Now is the chance to live this out and to make the right decisions. And so whoever who crafted and and birthed these mission statements and these visions, that's still there. That's still in there. And that person will make the right decisions as a small business owner. And we won't panic. We will rely on who we are as people and the essence and core of that spot in our hearts that crafted that vision and that mission in the first place. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.